Welcome everybody, and thank you for joining us here on another episode of Here Comes a Thought. This is episode 7, episode 8, I'm sorry. And today, we will be discussing uh, Lion 2 and Beach Party. As always, I am joined here with my fellow co-host, Kat. Hi! And John. Yeah. And what's your name? Uh, I am Mark. <laughs> for those people, Good to know I kind of forgot. Yeah, for those people who are just joining us for their first episode, that is Mark. Hello, the one and only Mark. Our little cinnamon bun. Thanks, guys. Mark with a C. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to kick things off. This might be a little bit of a shorter episode just because these seem like more filler episodes. But to to do my uh, daily synopsis a bit here, uh, in Lion 2, the movie, Steven and Connie are planning to go to the movies to watch uh, Dogcopter 3. And they do this by taking Lion. And this is the first time we really get to see Lion do something other than his typical lion stuff and that's like basically just doing nothing and acting like a cat so they get on lion and they're trying to get him to take them take him to the movies to which lion becomes unresponsive and then steven says that he mentions the word train and with that uh lion's ears and eyes kind of like prick up a little bit and then he immediately turns around and runs into the ocean he roars opening up a portal, and they're transported to this weird gem armory, it seems like, where uh, Connie's sort of feeling inadequate, feeling like she doesn't belong, but Steven is totally, like, wanting her to be there. He wants to spend time with her and everything. And while they're in the armory, they activate this, like, almost like a tennis machine robot that, instead of shooting tennis balls, shoots, like, electricity balls, fireballs, ice balls... And the point is, is that it's supposed to help them train with uh, with the weapons. Obviously, that doesn't go well. Uh, they get lined to take them out of the armory and to the actual movies, to which Connie feels like she doesn't want to go to the movies anymore because she feels too normal. She feels too out of place in Steven's magical world. And Steven reassures her, saying that, no, like, Dogcopter is cool, and it's important to me that I want to see this movie with you and spend time with you. And as they're kind of bonding some more, the machine breaks through the portal that Lion created, and Lion then uh, summons a sword through his head that Steven and Connie uh, use together using her tennis practice techniques to uh, destroy the robot, and then they go and see Dogcopter, and it's amazing. So who wants to take it from there? This this was a, a pretty nice sort of filler episode, and... Um, Doc Copter seems like a movie I would love to see. There's something about a dog helicopter in a world where humanity is pushed to the brink. It turns out that the most human thing is a dog copter. And I don't know. I, I would really love to see that movie. Was that the, uh, the whatchamacallit for it? The, the commercial for Doc Copter? No, the, the the commercial says the fur hits the fan, but that's that's what um, Connie says about it. That she finds it interesting that in a world where humanity is pushed to the brink, the most human is a dog cop. In a world, 
Sorry, I tried to do the impression. I love Connie. She's amazing. She is amazing. She's like the geek character, right? She's always sort of like reading books, and she's the one who says, you know, I just hope the the movie stays true to the books, which is such a fan thing to say. Oh my god, that is totally me on a daily basis. Like, oh my god, I love this this book. I hope the movie is just as good. <laughs> yeah. Connie deals with a lot of uh, emotions that many of us deal with during this. Those There are those feelings of inadequacy. Based on it, she has a, a, a friend who is extremely powerful and magical. And Connie is a book nerd, so she uh, the great things about book nerds is that they live in this, this fantasy realm where they can pretty much imagine anything. And when you can imagine anything and you see your friend can do that... There's a lot of inadequacy going around. Yeah. And uh, Stephen has these powers, but she's just a human. And to her, it feels like he has this sort of of magical destiny and that she doesn't have any place in it in the whole world of gems and magic. And it does make her feel pretty inappropriate throughout the episode. She doesn't know her worth. I guess that's a good Mm -hmm. way. One of the things that we say with that is, is at this moment in time, Connie is suffering from um, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, imposter syndrome, imposter phenomenon, fraud syndrome, ex- imposter experience. Um, so, and, and I hate to use this source, but Wikipedia. <laughs> Which is a good source. It's a very viable source. I did a whole project about it. So Wikipedia is, and the reason why I have issues with it is because I do tons and tons of research and wikipedia is really good for finding a lot of that research put together but the other thing is that everybody has to understand wikipedia is entered by people and can be changed on a whim so a website Mm -hmm. that uh so information that may be something that you'd look at and go that sounds like a reasonable source uh wikipedia can be changed by someone to make it seem like it sort of fits in and I, and that's my problem with it so wikipedia is great for you to start doing research with and then you go and uh keep digging afterwards you don't just stop at wikipedia but i'm stopping at wikipedia because i'm just getting a definition so what imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud um so despite external evidence of their competence those experiencing this phenomenon may be convinced that they're frauds and do not deserve all they have achieved so um in this i feel in this episode mm-hmm. that connie goes through that she's dealing with that i have I'm trying to think. We haven't gone to Connie's house yet, right? No. No. Okay, so later on we do find out Connie has a lot of achievements. And so even though we don't know right now that she has all these achievements, Connie has all these achievements. And even though she has all these achievements, she still thinks she's nothing compared to Steven, who all he is is a crystal gem. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... I think this, uh, I, I will want to talk about this concept a bit more in our next episode because we're going to have, uh, on our next episode, we have the Coach Steven episode. Yes. But um, I think something that's very important is that this is all a value judgment. Everybody decides for themselves what they think is valuable mm-hmm. and what they think brings worth 
And to Connie, she she does all these amazing things. She's an avid reader. She's very smart. She's a great tennis player. But all of that is just boring to her because she thinks it has no inherent worth in comparison to something like what Steven does. And to Steven, he's just living his or his life, right? Mm-hmm. And the sort of life that's sort of expected of him as the son of Rose, as somebody who has who is a gem or half gem. And so to Steven, all of that just seems normal. And he's much more interested in what Connie has to offer. And it's just this very interesting dynamic where they both value what the other has, but not as much what they have in, in and of themselves. Yeah, I honestly think that probably one of the reasons why Connie kind of feels like this is just because I feel like Stephen's life in Connie's eyes is something that she would read in one of her books, in one of the many books that she reads. And so to feel like she's actually in these fantasy worlds doing all this magical stuff, you know, something that she only reads about. And now that it's right in front of her face, she might feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not supposed to be a part of this. I'm not supposed to be part of the main cast of characters. And, you know, Stephen, on the other hand, is like, no, like, you're here. I want you here. And you I want you to be a part of this sort of stuff because, you know, they're yeah. best friends. So and and one of the things I was thinking of is what Stephen sees as mundane and everyday is a lot of the stuff done by the Crystal Gems. Yes, he mm-hmm. still gets amazed when some when they use some of their powers because he's still learning about it. But his everyday life is crystal gem life. Mm-hmm. So what he considers mundane is not the same thing that Connie considers mundane. And I think this is where we have sort of a lack of communication. So mm-hmm. he gets amazed that Connie goes to school every day. He gets amazed that she plays tennis. He's never even like, he doesn't know what this really is. So so Connie's mundane everyday life, and it depends on, so again, it, it honestly depends on where you're getting the definition, because the definition can be commonplace, characterized by practical, transit, uh, transitory, and ordinary, or it can be of this earthly world rather than the heavenly or spiritual one. Well, it would depend again on who's doing the definition. So if we're defining it by uh, Connie, her life is mundane. It's of this earthly world rather than heavenly or spiritual. Um, but if we go by Stephen, it's what's commonplace and in his uh, every day to uh, his day to day life. So it's uh, uh, this episode is a really good way to show how we all have different everyday lives. So what may seem mundane to me would be. Um, could blow you away, John, because I live in rural Pennsylvania where we get snow and I get attacked by deer and bear. (laughs) Oh, that would be amazing. (laughs) I want that in my life. See? And I'm bored of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you want to live in a tropical island. I very much do. Meanwhile, I'm out here in the suburbs of Chicago where nobody knows how to drive. <laughs> oh, wait, that, that happens in Puerto Rico, too. Don't that worry. happens in Pennsylvania. Uh, I, Everybody, everywhere you I go, can, somebody doesn't know. People don't know how to drive. Every time I've gone to the United States, I'm amazed by the driving. And that's, that's saying a lot. But I will say, okay, so there's this thing where the grass is always greener on the other side with um, Connie and Steven. But there's also another thing which I find really interesting, and it's a trope that I really love in fiction in general. And it's 
in this episode, it doesn't turn out that she's useless or that she has no place in this world because in the end, what actually saved them was her tennis knowledge. <laughs> and, and so there's something to be said about how we believe that you have to have a certain skill set to just belong somewhere, right? Um, if you are going to be a hero, you have to have magical powers. And if you're the one person without the magical powers, uh, you feel like you're inadequate or that you're the weakest link, so as to say. But I really love the concept of the powerless hero in the sense that it's also a sort of metaphor for disability and how just because society has a certain expectations that they call ability, it doesn't mean that you can't bring something new. And this is Connie, this is um, Sokka from Avatar. He doesn't know any bending, but he gets through with his wits. And all these characters that they they have inherent worth because of their skills and because of who they are, not because they were born with specific powers or skills. And I guess Batman also fits in, although he was born with a lot of money, which is half of his superpower. You gotta love having the uh, superpower of wealth. Yes. I'm sorry, he also has the superpower of white privilege. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's two-thirds of his superpowers he was born with. But, I mean, he was also given a great education because of that wealth. Well, okay, so my, my <laughs> other thing I'm going to... Like, you got me started on Batman. The other thing I'm going to say about Batman is recently we found out Batman's a meta. Is he? <laughs> I think they redconned it, but I will refuse to redcon it in the... So, in... In a recent Suicide Squad episode. This was on GFT. I thought you guys heard all the episodes. I did. I didn't say anything I about did, this. Okay. But I haven't I haven't I haven't heard I kind of forgot about okay. it. it it's been a while for you. Okay, memory? so yeah, it was an yeah. episode of GFT. They redconned it recently, but in an episode of Suicide Squad, Amanda Waller gets Batman because there the team is behind I think they're stuck at Arkham. I don't remember where it is. She's like, I have a list of metas that need to be protected. And Batman is on a list. We find out that he was exposed to some metal. And that metal is an alien metal, which is the reason why he heals so well. And one, so that's one. And two, like, he's in his late 30s, early 40s, and he's still kind of running around like nothing. Well, that can happen. I'll, I'll... On retcon it in my brain. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so let's go back to Steven Universe. <laughs> yeah, and so Connie Connie feels that she has no worth because she isn't magical and thus she doesn't belong in this. But this is sort of the fate of Beach City and eventually sort of the fate of the world sort of issues. And everybody should have a play in it. And that's something I think will be part of her arc sort of realizing that she has a place and it's simply by existing as she is and being the amazing person that she is. Well, and that goes to, like, pretty much anybody in life. We all have our moments where we're just like... Well, I know I have moments where... I know I've I've done a lot in my life and I have, like, I have five degrees. I have, you know, I'm working on another one. Um, I, I've 
done Broadway. I was part of an album and I played hockey. I did a lot. I really did. And I have mm-hmm. a lot of accomplishments, but I still have moments where, um, and I talk to you guys about it often where I feel like I, I get imposter syndrome. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I, why do people seek me out for help? Um, I've been doing therapy now since what? 2010 2011 um and i still wonder why my clients like me (laughs) i wonder why um you know i'm i'm a lead therapist things like that and it's it's because i've accomplished a lot and i prove my worth but i still have moments of doubt and i'll and i'll talk frequently about imposter syndrome so i understand completely where connie's coming from. from especially like when i talk to the geek therapy network these people seem so amazing to me and i'm just like who am I compared to these people? Yo, th- th- this is literally me, and I mean, like as well. Like I talk to you guys about my my own uh, battles here sometimes, occasionally with uh, imposter syndrome. Like you know, just recently, I was kind of going through a little a little episode of it myself, and it's it astounds me when. Uh, you know, I, I'm on the, the, the Discord for Geek Therapy and I'm having conversations with all these amazing people and here I am thinking I'm still like very early on in my educational career here. These people have all been doing their jobs for God knows how long. They've had their degrees for God knows how long or they're working on their doctorate and so they've already like gone through the basics and I'm just, you know, I sit here sometimes thinking, where, where am I? Like, who am I to, to try to put in an opinion with all these amazing, uh, well-credentialed individuals? But so, again, like, Con- the way Connie feels is probably some of the most relatable things uh, in, the, in the entire series, in my, in my opinion. Just because, like, the normal feelings that we tend to feel occasionally from time to time that's that's all of connie's like character because she's now dealing with stuff that isn't a part of the human the human world it, this is all out of out of out of their out of their minds essentially like it's it's not not conceivable and yet here it is in front of her face and so those feelings are more amplified which helps make it more relatable i feel like uh just because like you can really see it on screen and especially in an episode like this where it's front and center it's the whole point of this episode i feel like so and there's two things i'd like to unpack before we move on to another topic okay. about imposter syndrome in general mm-hmm. um i come from medical school and i um i i struggle a lot with imposter syndrome as well and a funny thing i've always thought i've also tutored uh students in my medical school and one thing i always think about is when we're accepted we are told you know we get thousands of applicants and we only accept about 60 and so and you know just the mere fact that you're in medical school it's already such an achievement but because you're competing and you're constantly competing against something else, it makes you think that you don't belong there. Even though you've gotten through so many um, so many obstacles just to get there and to sort of prove your worth. But there's always some next obstacle that sort of makes you doubt whether you really belong there or not. But the second thing I really want to unpack, which is I think the most important, is that you don't need to have these achievements to have self-worth. People, you are worth 
your opinion and you your opinions are important your thoughts are important your feelings are important whether or not you have a degree whether or not you have an education whether or not you have money whether you're not you're of the white race <laughs> whether or not you're a man right and there's a lot of things that sort of they play to sort of make us think that we're less than and you don't need to have accomplishments for your thoughts and your feelings to be valuable and that's something that we have to constantly remind ourselves of because the only thing that should give you worth is the fact that you exist if that made any sense or i maybe i went too far and deep i i i very much love your positive spin on that and this is that that is very much a feel good And, and I think this is that something that people need to hear on a regular basis and sadly enough do not get to hear that on a regular basis so I'm glad you said that yeah you can sort of loop it and you know just snip that part and then listen it on loop we'll, we'll just clip it and we'll make it its own separate episode and it'll just be that like loop for like 10 hours yeah. it'll be one of those <laughs> exactly. YouTube videos yeah you can listen to it while you're studying so anything else from Lion to the movie. I'm honestly shocked we talked this long about Lion to the movie. Yeah, yeah, I am shocked as well. I don't, I don't know why you guys are shocked. We can make anything work. We are all yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah. So, okay. beach party. All right. Should I do my synopsis bit again? Yes, please. Yes. Okay. So, beach party starts off with the crystal gems and Steven fighting this giant pufferfish monster. And they're having a very tough time dealing with it. They can't seem to to get rid of it and defeat it. Their final real failed attempt, um, Garnet gets blown away by the pufferfish, and she ends up getting blown back all the way um, onto the roof of Fish 2's pizza. And then Amethyst decides to turn into a bat and just hit it like a baseball and knock it really far into the ocean. Afterwards, they go and get Garnet, and they see her sitting on the roof, and uh, Kofi, who's the, uh, the owner of Fish 2's pizza... Uh, comes out and is basically yelling at Garnet about like, oh, you ruined my sign, you ruined my shop, like, and now you're just sitting up there, like, what, what, what are you doing? And then the, when the crystal gems come, Garnet comes down and says, oh, I'm fine. And then Pearl narks on Amethyst about hitting the pufferfish away. And then Garnet says they need to regroup back at the temple, and they just jump. They, they're like, they're gone. And then Steven's kind of left to deal with, uh, with Kofi and everybody, who. Uh, learns from there that the crystal gems are now banned from fish juice pizza and steven's like very very upset because he doesn't want the crystal gems to be seen in such a negative viewpoint to the point where they're getting banned from establishments in the place that they're they're residing in the world that they're trying to protect so steven uh relays the news to them and they just don't really care one problem it's because you know they don't really eat so having being banned from a food establishment isn't necessarily a big deal to them but to steven he you know he gives them that message of like what's the point of doing all this stuff if you know you're not going to be appreciated if people are just going to hate you so steven devises a plan to have a, a beach party and invite the this you know the family over to uh try to make amends and try to get them unbanned from the shop and so of course with that there's a lot of there's still a lot of uh tension between the families you know they, they're they're always constantly bickering and so steven decides to try and set up a volleyball game and intermingle the gems and the family together 
to try to get them to bond, to try to get them, you know, happy-go-lucky. And when people start cheating in volleyball, more arguments erupt, but then the pufferfish comes back, and it takes both of their combined efforts as a family to defeat the pufferfish. And in the end, they're unbanned. Although, to them, again, they're very indifferent, and even Pearl forgets where they got uh, banned from. And that's the end of the episode. I think... I want to start off with a conversation that John and I were having right prior to uh, Mark jumping into this, was um, this is very much like any superhero and the area that they try to protect. There's always collateral damage. Um, So they're protecting the town, they're protecting the people, they're protecting, um, well, in this one, Beach City. But because these monsters don't care... The crystal gems are a little bit... They they tend to fight where people... Where there will be collateral damage, I'm sorry. And in that aspect, we get to see why Kofi is so upset. It's because there's collateral damage. They've ruined his source of living. This is where his family makes their money. The other thing is... I'm sorry about that. Um, The other thing is there's collateral damage based on the fact that there's no relationship between the crystal gems... And was the last names are Pizza, right? I that's why I kind of started saying the family because I completely forgot what the family's last name was. Yeah, so um, hmm. it's there's no there's no connection, and it's it's not until this episode where we see Stephen trying to form that connection, bridge that gap. Now, one thing that I always think is the reason why collateral damage is so major in these situations is because the superhero or the crystal gems in this aspect do not have a connection to um, to humanity. They, Even though they're protecting the people, they aren't connected to the people. And it's not until Steven's involved that they start developing a connection to the people. They just kind of see humans as these sort of lower life forms. Mm-hmm. And we see the same thing as... Uh, we see the same thing in Superman versus... Uh, is it Batman? Ver- no, Batman versus Superman. See... I always think Superman should go first, but they did it alphabetically. So Batman versus Superman, because <laughs> it wasn't the better superhero there. <laughs> I am so biased. Um, so in Batman versus Superman, this version of Superman is alien. He does not have that connection with the people. And this is why the collateral damage that he does is so is so major he doesn't help rebuild he doesn't he's not connected to the to the people he does save them yes but he literally came into into metropolis and faced another godlike person so he's a scary person as opposed to in some of the original movies and some of the original comic books when he first comes into metropolis he starts saving the day in little ways so he becomes more of an everyday superhero. This one, he's intangible. He's still he's still just a super. He's still a god. Um, he's not connected to the people. So the collateral damage is an emotional thing as well as physical collateral damage. Same thing here, Steven Universe. The gems do not have an emo- any emotional ties to the town. Yes, their home is there, but they can have their home anywhere so so yeah it's it's a big thing so it's it's steven connecting them 
to humanity that we get to see in this episode. This episode does a really great job of nailing down the importance of ties with your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Did that sound good? Honestly, I don't know what to add to that. <laughs> I think in, in terms of collateral damage, I, I also want to bring it more to a more relatable plane. And it's not just, you know, about sort of being connected with that humanity, but being self-aware of your effect, the effect of your actions upon other people. And the way I can sort of bring this to a more um, real scenario is we have a lot of service members, um, policemen, uh, firefighters, doctors, psychologists, and we usually have a primary task. And for doctors, that's to save the patient's life. But we also have to take care of make sh- be self-aware and understand how maybe our interventions could cause harm without our knowing so. And for doctors specifically, that would be when you're trying to prolong somebody's life, but that's not what they want because they, they're going through a chronic condition that's very painful and, you know, they, they've gotten to a point where their quality of life is actually decreased by your care. And uh, with policemen, if they were to have the same collateral damage as heroes, they would be responsible for it as well, mm-hmm. even if their job is to, even if they are doing their job of keeping the city safe, um, they're still responsible for the damage that happens with their interventions, right? And they, sh- they should still be held responsible. And that's something that the gems have to learn as well, because although you are saving Beach City, um, did, did they um, try hard enough to sort of move to a fight, to move the fight somewhere where there would not be enough collateral damage? Um, did they, are they doing their best to sort of keep Beach, Beach City safe? Because, yeah, they're, they're saving the people, but are they saving their livelihood, which is very important to them? how much money would they have to spend to save uh, fish to pizza and to sort of bring it back to the way it was and for them to be able to economically support themselves as a family. That's not something they're taking into account as they're uh, fighting these creatures. I I, I totally agree with that. You know, that, that becomes a thing. It's they aren't like the police because they are they are otherworldly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i don't think it's the the town doesn't hold them responsible but i also feel as if the crystal gems don't hold themselves responsible so it's a two-way street yeah exactly so how does steven start to bridge that gap with them he organizes a volleyball game a beach party yes. So, and at first they're just eating and that still, there's still strife. There's, there's really like, okay, well, we're eating food, but I'm still angry at you guys because apparently there was that comment about, uh, what was it? Jenny had asked, was it Jenny or Kiki? About what? I think it's Jenny is the one who asks, um, why does your, why does your, why does this place look like it's falling apart? And Pearl says, well, this, this, uh, this place is. Our home is thousands of years old. Kofi takes it as, well, just because it's old doesn't mean you don't have to take care of it. Because he's still upset 
about the uh about fish stew pizza being destroyed and that's not what pearl meant but again um that's how and and this also goes back to we can take things that people said however we feel like it whatever we feel like uh taking from that situation and steven realizing that there's still a lot of tension decides you know what let's play volleyball pearl says of course um you know, what about our powers? And he says, I'm going to make the teams. And I think he does a great job of teaming up the family with those that they would be able to bond with the best. So Amethyst and Jenny, I still feel like I'm getting the two confused. And oh my gosh, why do, why do I feel like they're conf- I'm confusing them now? And then Pearl and Kiki. Yeah, Amethyst and Jenny, Pearl and Kiki, Garnet and Kofi. And him with Nanifua. I love Nanifua. <laughs> yeah. So you were right. Oh, so I was right. Okay, cool. Uh, so the the human beings actually have the same characteristics as the gem that they are corresponding to, which is awesome. So Amethyst and Jenny are very mischievous, very playful, and will do what they what they can to win. Mm-hmm. Pearl and Kiki are, we're going to follow the rules, let's stay tidy, let's stay neat, and... And they're tactical. Yes. And Garnet and Kofi are, um, we're going to use our power to win. Yeah. <laughs> And what's Kofi's power? Well, he's dad, and he can ground them if they if they attempt to hit. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah, ground it for a month if you touch that, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. You can't use the car for a month. <laughs> so, um, but it's it's with using games and um and I and I use games frequently. Um, I don't use things like volleyball, which. Now that I think about it, I may try that. Mm-hmm. But I use um, cooperative board games with a lot of my families. When I see that there's strife in the family and they have difficulty communicating with one of the, one another, getting them to work together to solve the problem of the board game mm-hmm. is one of the best ways just to start getting them to communicate. So games are really, really important in therapy and people keep thinking like you sit going to therapy and you sit on a couch and you talk and you and that's not what it's that's not what happens, at least not anymore unless you're still in psychoanalytics. Yeah. So I use board games with my families on a frequent basis because it helps with communication. And I love that Steven was able to use a game to help with uh bridging uh Bridging alliances and building communication between the gems and the and the humans. Although things do get a bit heated later on in the game, because since there are no rules set in the game, and while it is cooperative between members, one and another member of each family, it's still competitive amongst them. And since they're all playing by different rules... Um, they all feel like the others are cheating or being unfair. And this kind of throws the whole game uh, a bit out of whack. Well, and again, this was a child saying, let's play a game and not really thinking it through. But the fact that he was able to think, I'm going to pair a crystal gem with with a human as opposed to putting the family against the crystal gems he was able to see i need to put a crystal gem with one of the family one of the family members so that they can connect so with matching personality yes. traits which is just 
Yeah, it was really good. Of I actually don't know if you really knew that the personality traits were going to be that matched up. I think it just kind of happened that way. It, it, at least that's what it seemed like, only because like we haven't really seen much of of Kiki, so we didn't we don't really know what a lot of her personality is like. It's in this episode that we kind of get an idea of what she's like in contrast with Jenny. But I think if you know Jenny, which we already knew from Lars and the Cool Kids, and you know coffee Kofi, then the other ones sort of fit together with whatever's left assuming that steven has never met the other two characters which i doubt because he loves the pizza and i think we could assume that he knows the other characters it's just that we as an audience don't can i also just say that i really appreciated the the fake out meta uh fourth wall break that they tried doing with uh nanafla looking like at the cameras talking about how when sand is superheated it turns into glass and then it, like you pauses for a second and then pans out to steven and he replies yeah <laughs> i i really appreciate that yeah that was really cool and so yeah talking about that the thing that really brings that family together is to go to a completely cooperative state where they were all working together for the same school right yes and it was battling that sort of pufferfish thing gem and what happens well it was with the family's help that they were able to defeat the uh the pufferfish um being able to take the uh Nan- uh and Steven are the ones well Nanafwa was the one who came up with the plan really but it was Nanafwa and Steven that were the ones who were able to sort of enact a plan and tell everybody what to do how to do it um and it was getting them to work together as a whole that allowed them to defeat it as opposed because to they- um you know we're going to defeat it and you're going to watch <laughs> Yeah, because they were also the most invested in getting these two families to get along. Yes. So, yeah. Anything else on Beach Party? Not that I can really think of, really. How about you, Kat? Well, so one of the things I I was talking about also is the ability for uh, the creation of family rituals. Um, Do I think this is a family ritual that will stick around? I'm not sure, but... Steven created a family ritual. She, he created a family ritual with two families that we would normally see sort of um, when, when, if, when two members of, of two separate families get married, um, mm-hmm. there is a ritual, mar- the, the wedding ceremony, that ties the two, two family members together. Um, so you can almost see this episode as the marriage of the crystal gems with the pizzas. Because this is how they're able to work together to become one, one team, to create the Pufferfish. You know, it was the culminating of two personalities into one to create this. Um, So it's, it's I mean, I'm stretching it, but it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But family rituals are a big thing. And sometimes creating new family rituals are what helps uh, to to gain, to reconnect a family. So Stephen recreated or created, I'm sorry, he created a new family ritual in which he got the crystal gems involved with uh, a family from Beach City. And this family ritual was, a lot, was what helped bridge, begin to bridge that gap that the crystal gems have with the people of Beach City. 
Um, so he's he's starting to introduce more humanity to the crystal gems. I could see that. Also, we lost John. Okay. So <laughs> I feel like we're going to just wrap it up here now that we've had uh, John unexpectedly uh, lose our connection here. So I would like to say thank you everyone for tuning into this surprisingly longer episode than I had expected um, of uh, Here Comes a Thought. Uh, of course, if you guys want to uh, reach out to us and continue this discussion of these episodes or any of our past episodes, feel free to reach, us, reach out to us on Twitter. Our uh, Twitter handles will be in the show notes below. And also, you can always check out check us out on the Geek Therapy forums, as well as the Discord, where we are all very active in. Uh, Kat, is there anything you would like to plug in? No, I really don't. No? I will have links to the Geek Therapy forum, the Geek Therapy Discord, and, of course, the Twitter handles all on, um, on the show notes, just like Mark said. Um and we're not plugging the Steven Universe Tap Together game anymore because we're we've closed that group, right? No, uh, actually, what I had to do is uh, sadly I had to um, kick a few members who haven't been on in quite some time, um, just to kind of make room for the people who do want to be active. So again, if anyone is playing the Steven Universe Tap Together game and wishes to join our fantastic club, you can check us out at Geek Therapy Club. Um, in the club search menu and uh, join us and join us in some jolly cooperation as we continue our grind to diamond one status all right so again thanks everybody for tuning in um also please check out all the other amazing podcasts uh as part of the uh, geek therapy network um i know we just had four count them Four new episodes and headshots all about horror games and everything in the spirit of Halloween that was three days ago. Yes. So, again, thank you, thank you everybody, and we will see you all in the next episode. Bye! Catch you later, guys.